Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. In today's show, I'm speaking with street poet Angelina Stanton, and later in the half hour, poet and visual artist Reverse Butcher. First up, if you spend any time on the streets of Melbourne's CBD, you may have come across Angelina Stanton, who has the enviable job of setting up a typewriter on street corners and writing on-the-spot poems for anyone who asks. Angelina is with me today. Welcome to the studio. Hi. Yeah, thank you. How long have you been doing that? Um, it'll be five years coming up in December. Yeah. And can you remember how you got into it? Yeah. Um, I got fired from a fruit shop. <laughs> I've always written poetry, and um, but I was very reluctant to share my poetry, which is kind of strange now. I had uh, quite a few friends that did busking, and I thought, like, the amount of freedom that they had um, if they and still um, were able to earn an income was pretty attractive. So I kind of did some research on um, ways to use poetry as busking. And I came across um, a couple of people in the States that um, wrote poems on typewriters for people. And one of them was Lynn Gentry. Uh, so I tried it in St Kilda. I was really scared. It took me hours to set the typewriter up. Yeah, and I wrote, uh, I, I think I only had, um, because it took me so long to actually get started, because I was so nervous, that um, I only wrote two poems. But yeah, I remember the first one, because I saw that person again about a year later in Tasmania. And have you used the same typewriter all the time? No, I've had so many. I, I don't know how many. Yeah. And where do you get them? Um, the one that I use the most right now was um, was actually given as a gift from someone I wrote a poem for who just happened to collect typewriters and um, wrote a poem for him and his family and they came back and they waited for me to give me a typewriter really cool ones, red um, but usually I get them on eBay or um, Gumtree How do you go about it when someone gives you a topic what goes through your mind um, well, usually I try to talk to them. Like uh, people are, some people are more forthcoming than others. Some want to tell a story, or um, but yeah, um, some some things just need to be clarified further. Like a lot of people say love, which is um, like in English, it's. Uh, that one word can mean so many different things. So usually ask them what kind of love, and then they'll tell me like a little bit. Uh, yeah, some some people are very uh, reticent to say much, and then others say a lot. But yeah, I kind of uh, usually get something from what they say. That, um, gets the creative juices flowing. No, it's kind of like we write it together, like me and the uh, person. Sometimes I think it's, it's I prefer just the fact that I'm listening to them and stuff. And it's also like me kind of reflecting it back in form of poetry that 
think uh, it makes people feel heard. And How much of yourself do you put in the poems? Uh, yeah, it definitely um, affects what I write, <laughs> how I'm feeling about things, <laughs> for sure. It's, um, yeah, I think it's a bit, probably more than I'm aware. Yeah. And Mondays are not a good day for me. Monday's usually my day away from the streets. Why is yeah. that? Um, it's just a general feeling of doom on Monday. <laughs> Friday night's good. It's like the whole weekend's waiting. It's so exciting. No one knows what's going to happen on the weekend. And Monday, it's, yeah, so far away from Friday night. And um, do you get little kids? Yeah. What sort of poems do little kids ask for? Um, lots of ones about animals. Sometimes they want a poem about their mum who's with them and stuff, which always yeah. makes their mum happy, yeah. And in that situation, would you talk to their mum or do you just talk to the, the child? I talk to the child mostly. I just talk to the mum about the time and the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do people generally pay for a poem? Um, well, $400 <laughs> on average. About $10 on average. That's what I found over the years. But it can vary. I know they are not wrong, I always nod along when they say there'll be no revolution in our days. But the truth is, I yearn to watch your eyes shine as the world burns. I agree, certainly, when it is said to me that we are not up to the tricks of 1936 and far too consumed with desire to build another Paris commune. They are not wrong, I nod along, as if I know their tune. But secretly, I long to know the contours of your skin will glow when exposed to a sudden liberty. My love, we can be strangers to an ideology and befriend a shy mystery that remains a theory to others. As that is what love is, a taste, though momentary, of how it feels to simply be. And I wait, poring over ancient pages, hoping they will not forget us. We deserve a line or two. Put out your cigarette, now we still have time. On Sunday the 18th of November, the Bakery Gallery of Upper Ferntree Gully hosts a triple book launch and afternoon of poetry. Fatula Reynolds reads from her book The Sanctuary of My Garden. Geoffrey Prince presents his work Dharma and Night. And C.S. Hughes performs poetry from his publication The Little Book of Funerals. A Sunday idyll at the Bakery Gallery, 3 Rose Street, Upper Ferntree Gully, Sunday 18th of November from 1pm. You are listening to 3CR Spoken Word, and I am talking with busking poet Angelina Stanton. Do people sometimes take a while to think of a topic that they want you to write about? Some people have taken months and months. Some people already know. Maybe, yeah, I think some people contemplate for a while, because obviously I'm on a really busy corner usually, so there's a lot of people that probably walk past me every day. And some people, it seems as if they've... Um, you know, uh, contemplated what they would want to say. That's really yeah. nice, isn't it? Yeah. I think I get, like, one of the great things about what I do is I get to see, like, a, um, 
a good side of humanity, like sweet and kind and um, creative sort of side. So that um, keeps me going <laughs> a lot. Uh, and uh, quite a few people stop and say, I wrote them a poem a couple of years ago and they got it framed or they love it. Or, yeah. mm. Do you get much time to write your own poetry on the street? Um, I do do that, yeah. Um, often I just I write about the city, <laughs> too many poems about Melbourne city. It's, um, but then I get interrupted, so <laughs> like, why am I here? When I'm writing with someone else or for someone else, um, yeah, they're contributing something, so the poem is like a little bit of them as well, but um, when I write for myself, it's just all me. So, yeah, that's the difference. Let the moon take the minutes she speaks out of tune, guiding my eyes from your skin. Let the moon take the minutes, it'll keep her quiet for a bit and we can discuss what we must and avoid her silver laughter. Let the moon take the minutes. We can't trust her to take us seriously. Um, so this one is called Skin. Um, it was published in Unusual Works. Um, I can't remember which edition, but fairly recent one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I am but a messenger, I'm greeted by skin, skin of all shades, all kinds, skin that knows nothing but the fading comforts of four walls, skin beaten into shape by the Melbourneian seasons, skin with its cracks and crevices illuminated by the half-light of the evening, skin that glows under neon demands, brighter than the chain store please, skin that shrunk and stretched under the weight of the years, skin that has reasons for being, skin stained in medical centres, parlours and prisons, skin that has stories for each bump and corner, history etched upon skin, cannot hide any more. I write poetry for the skin, or offer the raw comfort of company. And as the night goes on, the wine flows easier down throats, and my skin somehow floats to skin that knows what mine knows, adrift determinedly alone. We embrace the echoes of night and philosophize under streetlights. Our skin echoes in this frameless position. We are friends for the moment, our skin nameless in its wholeness. has been places that could not breathe. Our skin is closer to most now, to being free. Skin enclosed with its own self-imposed meaning. Skin that has tried everything. Skin that waits to die. Skin creased permanently in the shape of a smile. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, the voice of the community. Often when I'm writing on a typewriter, I'll just be staring into space for quite a while because I'm thinking about what I'll write down because I know I can't delete it. Yeah, it's why, that's why I say it's very honest. It's an honest machine, yeah. A typewriter is an honest machine? Yeah, it's, uh, there's, yeah there's nothing to... You can't delete anything. Do you ever witness fights, arguments on the street? Oh, that's... yeah, yeah, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah those are all kinds of things, yeah. Um, there's a lot of very troubled people that walk around the streets. Like there's a lot of people faces that are very familiar, even if I've never spoken to them. And a lot of them are um, coming to the city to 
for some reason, um, to find some kind of comfort, I guess, something like that. One time I remember when I was quite new to it, I was still in, uh, I was doing in St Kilda, and um, some person, um, they asked me to write a poem for them on about homelessness, and that time they were homeless, so I, I wrote the poem, and I put like some line in there about uh, begging, is that word, and they actually came back and they said, um, you know, I like the poem, but I'm really uh, upset that you've used your talks about begging because it's not, uh, you know, I've never begged and it's not necessarily related to being homeless, which I understand now. I've been homeless myself and, um, and it's, um, yeah, a few years later they came back to see me in the city and he talks again, <laughs> everything was fine. You have to be a bit careful, I suppose, don't you? Because you don't yeah. really know you could write something that could really trigger somebody. Yeah, or, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm saying that usually I'm pretty careful. Yeah, this is it's kind of funny because it relates to what you asked like earlier about um, whether um, you know how much of myself is in the poem and stuff. So this person. Um, gave me the word hope and I think I just kind of had some bad news or sort of um, struggling with something and it was just happening um, right then. So um, I wrote something which was probably like a little bit more um, negative than they would have expected or maybe wanted. I can, I can read that. <laughs> <laughs> it may be against the gathering evidence but I wait for peace and use my skin, my hours, to bring the future to now. All my insides are weary. I don't know what makes me linger, always on the verge of tears. A piece of hope to cling to in spite of the years. In spite of the enveloping night, flowers and food fertilised by the ugliest inside. Growing beauty, nothing is broken, yet I live in hope. <laughs> they, yeah, I don't think they expected that. Can you remember what their reaction was? Um, yeah, I think they just looked at me <laughs> quite a while. It's like, okay, probably need to pack up now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in today. My pleasure. I'll see you on a street corner soon. Yeah, thank you. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. This is Community Radio 3CR 855 AM or streamed from www.3cr.org.au. My name's Brendan Bonsack and the program is Spoken Word. And speaking of stunning books, my next guest on the show goes by the name of Reverse Butcher. Reverse is one of those artists who refuses to be pinned down into any one discipline. Her work spans poetry and spoken word performance, collage, animation, paint and pen, graphic scores and sound maps, photography and highly unusual portraiture. Today she is speaking with me from her Melbourne studio all about the coming launch of her latest experimental book, On the Rod, which is an amalgam of collage, illustration, poetry, painting and performance. 
How did it begin? Well, um, it all started, I suppose, with being very dissatisfied and and disappointed with uh, the performance scene. Um, I felt like I'd hit a wall and there was nothing I could do to sort of get myself to what I felt would be a next level for me. So I decided to try something entirely different, which was a, visu a visual medium. Um, I'd never taken an art class before. I don't have any sort of, you know, classical training in drawing or painting, but um, I just started with the worst book I could think of. And I thought, well, if this one book stands in for a culture that I think is oppressive, um, if I change one copy, perhaps, in a way, you're changing all the copies. So I started page by page to alter the book. And what is this worst book? Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Um, there's a story actually about um, a, a friend of mine. I, I took a, a second-hand copy. It was worth nothing. It was not like a, you know, a rare copy or something. And I threw it in the ocean and it made him cry. And I thought to myself, gosh, if throwing this book into the ocean can make you cry, I wonder what else I could do to it. I'm sure there's a lot more traction. Yeah, so it seemed like the, the perfect um, medium to, to make a point. Where are the women in this story? Or the culture? They're not respected. You know, even though they were just as present and they were just as creative and just as um, prolific, they just, you know, were obviously buried um, under misogyny. On the Road was a, was a good canvas to start. It started off as like an erasure text or a cut-up uh, altered book. Um, as I said, I didn't really have very much experience with um, drawing or painting, so that came um, as I was working on, you know, the 330-odd pages of the book that I altered. An erasure poem is when you, you take a, a found piece of text, whether it be the phone book or on the road or, you know, anything you like, basically, any book, and you cancel out or cross out um, all of the words you don't want to be read to find another poem within the text. So it's, it's unrecognizable from the original. The meaning is no longer fixed. It becomes multiple. And that's a very valuable skill to find. A friend of mine from Nimbin named Christine Strellen showed me how to do it. So she has been making altered books her whole life. And uh, we were working together on a few things, and um, she showed me hers, and I thought, Jesus, I've got to try this. I'd never thought to do a whole book before. I'd done pages or canvases, or um, I'd done lyrics, I'd done all sorts of you know, nonlinear ways of reading and writing before, but to actually attempt an entire book was, um, was a bit of a yeah, mammoth task. Did you start at page one? No. Um, it, it was done entirely out of order, um, and every single page is obliterated. You, it's unrecognizable in terms of the text. The themes are, you know, altered and blurred, and, and there's no sensible narrative. Um, but I have been told by people that know me that have read the whole thing or that have seen me putting it together, they say that they can see my character coming through in it. But because I think I'm too close, I can't quite see it the same way they do. And how long have you worked on this? The book took me four years to finish, and then um, the better part of a year to figure out how to duplicate Part of the whole joy of reading the book is the tactile nature of it. So when I did st sort of set out to go about duplicating them and making the, the, the rare book um, duplicate run, um, it was a bit of a process as to how, how to do it. So yeah, it took me about yeah, 10, 10 months to fix that up. Now there's only one copy of this in its original form. As you were working on this, did you have a sense of how precious it was as an object? I had a sense of glee, like the, it's it's like, you know, taking your dad's Firebird out for a run and um, you know repainting it with nail polish. It's 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 joyous. You get this sort of sense of glee. You know, each book that you find in a secondhand store, you know, copy of On the Road, it's it's not a precious item. But this one 
has become precious because it's now different. It's part of me. It's no longer Jack Kerouac. It's a feminist interjection. Uh, for the listeners, this original copy of On the Rod is about the size of a regular hardback book, but uh, it's bulkier because each page has been physically altered with uh, paint or pen or cut, paste and glue elements. It's, uh, it's a beautiful, vibrant collage. It's tactile and every page has a different type of character. Well, I mean, there are you know, individual poems or spreads that work um, you know, in particular ways to highlight different politics. Um, if you look at this one here, um, um, there's uh, two pages. It's a double-page spread. Um, on the right-hand side, um, I've cut in uh, an image of a man in a boiler suit from like a, an anti-radioactive uh, workplace, um, and I've uh, cut in the words, now even job security is an ideological weapon. I'll be goddamned. I have done quite a few portraits as well, and they're all of either um, female or non-binary or LGBTIQ or, you know, somehow underrepresented artists that um, I really admire and who I think really haven't sort of, you know, gotten their due. There, there was no room for them in a book like this or, you know, by extension, in a culture like this. All the women were either in the kitchen having the babies or paying for the petrol, which is obviously not how how it really was or how it is now, but um, yeah. So this one here, um, the left-hand facing page, it's a portrait of Casey Shh, who is um, probably most well known for her vaginal knitting performance art. Uh, she's actually launching the book at the book launch, believe it or not, that's, a, that's gonna be a highlight. Um, this one here, it's a double page spread poem featuring a hand-painted portrait of Carrie Loffrey. Uh, Kerry Loffrey is an Australian Melbourne-based uh, poet. Uh, um, what I did to make this page really stand out was um, it's a layered painting. So the book itself has had um, a different copy of On the Road because people started sending me their copies of On the Road to uh, mess with. So I pulled pages apart, teared it all up, and then glued it down over another piece so it looks very chaotic. And then I painted the other the face and the hair on a, a different piece of paper and then glued them on so you have this really textured effect when you touch the original. It's very tactile. Um, and I've layered in song, um, a part of a, a poem she wrote as part of that thesis called Song of the Listener. Uh, there's random lines that I've written through her hair, which is sort of flowing across both of the pages. She is definitely an underrepresented and uh, underappreciated poet of Melbourne. I think she, she should be on every bookstand everywhere, but I digress. <laughs> Dreesiar, Community Radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. Welcome back to Spoken Word. I'm Brendan Bonsack, and I'm chatting with artist Reverse Butcher about her new book, On the Rod. When you were working on the book, did you require a lot of uh, space? Uh, I took the book everywhere with me for a long time, actually, so it didn't take up all that much space. I don't need anything more than the size of, like, I guess, a dining room table to work on it if I'm working on it at home. Um, but, yeah, I used to take it on the train with me, and when I was coming back late from my job... Um, I would often be drawing or sketching or crossing out and I'd sit on the floor of the train station waiting for the train to come and off I'd go. So it was actually very mobile. And that's one of the great things about uh, an altered book is that it's, it's a book. And I know most galleries prefer big, big paintings that have, you know, this massive visual impact, you know, because they're so huge, they're imposing. But I quite like the miniature. And this doesn't take up that much space, but it's got so much content. It's the size of a book. You can take it anywhere you want. 
So it's sort of like a, a physical poem in a way. Yes. You have the constraint of the actual boundaries of the book, but the way you've transformed it is kind of infinite, like a poem. There's lots of depth. Mm. But saying that, the original book did split, the spine split, just before I was about to finish it, so I did actually rebind it. Um, and I designed a cover for that in the original form and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, because I use glue and paint, the paper swells. Um, so I think for the next project I'm doing, I will definitely probably take it out of its spine first and then bind it at the end. Just, just I learned that the hard way. But it's a very sturdy book now. It's just been rebound. And as you completed each page, did you have a sense of what you were doing to history? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it it felt amazing. Like you know, sometimes you just it was it was very amusing. It was private amusement for a long time because for several of the years of doing it, you know, I, I didn't really put it out into the world. I um, I did put them on postcards. So you know, the postcards I left in random library books so people would find the 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 cards. But um, every time I finished a page, you you have this sort of sense of relief or this sense of yeah overwhelming glee. It's a very beautiful book. Oh, thank you. And it feels like something you could come back to over and over and over and find something different each time. And I feel like it really did sort of break my mind in a really beautiful way because where I did feel really dissatisfied with, uh, with the performance thing, this brought me a whole new way of reading, writing, painting, expressing, uh, learning, you know, actually connecting with whatever the creative forces that we are trying to ride are. So... The official launch of On the Rod will be quite a night of entertainment, I think. Can you tell us about that? Well, um, the launch is on the 18th of November, uh, which is a Sunday afternoon at 5.30 at Hares and Hyenas. Um, so, like I said before, Casey is going to be launching the book. Kylie Supsky is going to be reading um, some poems. She actually has a poem in the end note of this book called The Inarticulate Book. We're going to have a few musical acts as well. So Sarah Currow, who is, um, she plays with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra as her day job, but um, she, she'd commissioned me to make her a violin, and she's going to play that along with her friend David Jones, who's this amazing drummer. Uh, we'll have uh, Ivy Lucille coming to play some, uh, some tunes in there as well. And uh, Chris Wen is going to be doing some uh, music with me, so we're doing a little collaboration. Um, uh, we have Amanda Anastasi, who's going to come and read some poetry. We have Gabrielle Everall, who's going to come and read her brilliant poem about um, Bukowski. Um, and it is an e-book launch as well as a book launch. So the e-books are probably the thing that most people will be interested in obtaining for themselves. Um, the duplicates, uh, there's only 30 of them. So there will only ever be 30 of them. They're a rare book uh, run. Um, it's in very vibrant, bright color. It's on beautiful paper. And it looks like a book within a book within a book because um, it's actually photographs, high, you know, high quality photographs of uh, the book from above in a double page spread. So you can see the book um, within a book. And then obviously it's a book about making a book. So it's sort of like meta book. There is a, a silent auction for one copy. They're mostly designed to be sold to institutions or museums. So if you're one of those, definitely give me a call. But if you're a collector, don't worry, you can buy one too. But at the launch, the silent auction, uh, the reserve is set quite low. It'll be at about $200. It's sort of a, um, done as a thing to sort of encourage um, you know, one, one lucky collector to get one for much, uh, much less than I would sell one to an institution for. Well, thank you very much for sharing your work with us. Thank you, Brendan. If you would like to make a bid for the copy of On the Rod, you can do so right now at www.reversebutcher.com. 
and the bidding will end on the night of the launch at Hares and Hyenas Bookstore. Well, that's all we have time for this week. The Spoken Word program airs every week, Thursday 9am, or streaming from www.3cr.org.au. And if there's anything that you've missed, don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast. Just go to 3cr.org.au and search for Spoken Word. There'll be a link to it from there. For up-to-date information on events happening in Melbourne of a poetry and spoken word nature, go to www.melbournespokenword.com. Trove of information, and keep your eye out for the Melbourne Spoken Word Prize, which happens in December this year. I am Brendan Bonsack. Thank you for listening. Thank you.